into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Three-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Two-time toast of Music City Best Sports Reporter. And Glenn Blackwell. Brought to you by E610 Athletes. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio Powered by E610 Athletes. The final episode of the season for us here. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, intern Danielle, producer Max Hurst. Max, behind the glass. Max, Max. Max, good to have him here for one episode. I know. Before we go off in April. He's bidding us farewell. It's been really weird. Preds cut us off. This is weird. A too early. This is weird. It is, we have not left in April in a while. My schedule changed for the next... Until June, because of the Preds. Free time? What? I have free... No, I don't want... No. I didn't want free time. <laughs> I'm not used to it. You, I, I, I tell the girlfriend, like, okay, you got to block out April, May, and the beginning of June, and just nothing can be on the calendar. It's all week to week. Mm-hmm. Well, it opened up a lot, and I guess not I'm going to have no to go more. hiking more. Yes, I, you are. <laughs> Did you hear that, Alex? <laughs> dang stairs in Bellmead. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The bane of my existence. Okay, folks. I I know you're still still frustrated, ticked off. And more about the way the Natural Predators ended their season. And today was locker room cleanout day. So so happens we have way more to talk about, even more just because of player reactions and reactions from Peter LaViolette and David Poyle. Videos from all these are going to be on PenaltyBoxRadio.com, PenaltyBoxRadio on Facebook, so you can watch these. We already have the one from Craig Smith, which we'll hear some of his comments here shortly, and P.K. Subban. And we have just a multitude of things to talk about throughout the show this evening, including in our last segment, one more round of dumb things found on Pred's Facebook. Now, somebody did post on Pred's Facebook saying, you do realize when you post on here that Justin Bradford has a show where he calls you out for the dumb things you say, right? <laughs> we were like, and then you're oh, even dumber if you still keep still posting do it. dumb Still stuff. do it. So, as we all know, Nash Predators lost in Game 6 to the Dallas Stars, and it seemed like they never really even had control at all in the series. And it was it was frustrating to see because they made that little bit of a push near the end of the season. They won the Central Division. Granted, Winnipeg was just leaving it out there. St. Louis, I have a feeling that St. Louis, had there been three more games, two, three more games regular season, they would have made the push and won the Central Division too with the way that they were playing. Uh, but, Glenn, initial reactions. Obviously, I even said on Twitter – for the sake of not hot taking, I'm going to save my thoughts for when we go on air, which is two sleeps afterward, mm-hmm. just to make sure that we collect our thoughts and everything. But now, just what is your instant reaction after how the season went and, and how that went with the playoffs? Yeah. Um, I actually waited the, until the next day to voice um, how I felt on social media just to, like you said, avoid the hot takes. But in all honesty, as much as I hate to say it, I was not that surprised right so from a perspective of watching this team over the last few years a loss in the playoffs hurts my heart this year I was not surprised and I was just more angry than sad because I knew they could have done more right when you watch a team give everything they have and it just doesn't work for them 
you're broken for the team. You're so sad. You know, you hate to watch them go through that after they worked so hard. But what all of us watched was a fantastic October, some bumps after that, and then injuries. And then that, I'm just, the last half of the season, it almost looked like this is how it would play out. And because that consistency, it never came back. Right. It never showed up. Issues that everyone had talked about that needed to be addressed. We were all told they're being addressed, and but it still didn't work. So at the end of the day, I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't that surprised. No, I, I, I don't think you're the only one. I think some people obviously felt that was coming. And I'll use this to, to give a shout out to our analytics guys, George and Michael. Mm-hmm. They both called this. They both said that Stars were going to win the series. Mm-hmm. Now, they said that based on the advanced analytics of just how the regular season was going and the trends and everything, too. And so I'm not saying that you go directly by that, but what they saw, what the math was showing them, that Dallas was going to win that series based on how the teams were performing. So I, I get it. Mm-hmm. So major props to them for, for saying that and, and having the, the guts to say that on air, too, because they were on air for the a preview show they were mm-hmm. on air and said that made that pick and they were right so you're not the only one who is who's frustrated by it. craig smith uh today he was brutally honest with his thoughts and you could just tell that he was gritting through his teeth with how he had to say this here's craig smith's comments just on the, the end of the season you've had a couple of days to think about it it's still fresh though just the level of disappointment yeah that sucks i think we want to we want to. We want to be playing right now. Uh, we had a. We set goals at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, guys going in their summer training last last year and um, in hopes to compete for for the cup like we were this year. And um, you know, we take a lot of positives away. But from from being honest, I'm frustrated. And uh, I, I don't think that we were playing our best for the last couple months. If I'm being honest, um, it sucks right now. I think guys are losing sleep over it. I'm losing sleep over it. Um, it's uh, you want to win. I think guys guys get to the, guys get to the rink and they they plan out what they're gonna do and, and how they want to attack. And everybody everybody wanted to be a hero every single night. And I think that was a mindset that uh, if you don't have, you're gonna lose the game outright. But we're playing a good team over there. I thought that you know, they executed well, but. Like I said, it's, it sucks. I think uh, I'm taking it home with me every night. I, I'm mad. I'm still going to be mad over a couple of weeks from now. It pisses me off. And uh... that, that, I mean, that's about it right there. He, 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 there's a theme that it sucks. He's mad. Mm-hmm. And it's still, two days later, still mad. And yeah. he, was, he was the one that showed that kind of emotion, how upset he was over this because of the expectations they had for themselves. And, and I have, Yeah, I have to yeah. say, as someone that follows the team so closely – it's kind of refreshing to hear that because day in and day out, you do get tired of the generic response. The cliche response. You know, yep. we, well, we could have done, we could have done better. That's it. And you're mm-hmm. like, no, like I'm angry. I'm mad. We didn't do enough. I'm right. mad. And I, I love that. I mean, that's, that's raw energy right there coming from somebody who's on the ice day in and day out doing this, mm-hmm. saying he's losing sleep over this. 
It was refreshing to hear that, to be honest. I was, hate I hate it. And that was the game's own constable, Chase McCabe, asking that question. Mm. Also, special appearance by Fred's own dog, Smash. Yes, in the background. <laughs> the parking Smash hear him bark. in the background, which I think everybody got good pets of goodbye <laughs> to Smash as everybody's leaving the building. Uh, and, and props to, to Fred's PR. Uh, we were, shook everybody's hand as everybody was leaving, too. And it's just one of those things no one – I don't want to say no one's expecting it. No one wanted it to end that way necessarily, obviously. It being April and then being out because the expectations are so high. Rightfully so. Absolutely rightfully so. So getting into this, the what went wrong, well, first of all, it's not just what the Predators did. It's the Dallas Stars too. Dallas Stars were a, a darn good team in this series. They prepared very well for the Predators. They shut down the Jofa line. Mm-hmm. I mean, Arvidsson, nothing. Forsberg won. Johansson, bleh. Yeah. No, nothing. And it's it's not that to say the first line wasn't performing because they obviously weren't, but the Dallas Stars shut them down, and mm-hmm. their top line completely outworked Nashville's top line. So full credit to the Dallas Stars with how Jim Montgomery prepared them, and that they went through their process and played the sound defense and forced the Predators into errors, into giveaways, and making mistakes and things like that. And the whole part about being scared, and that was talked about before too. Jim Montgomery said they were scared of rope hints. Well. It, Okay, and then there was that clip the NHL put out of after there was a Dallas goal. They're scared. They're scared. They're so scared and laughing about it after they scored on the Predators. Well, they were. They didn't put it. They didn't shove it back. And so Dallas outworked the Predators in every fashion. That even in the game three when I was there for that in Dallas, Dallas was the better team, but they didn't win because the right bounces went Nashville's way just in that game, which you have to have that in the playoffs. You have to have more. So full credit to the Stars and how they prepared to play Nashville, and they figured shut down the top line, they're not going to have anything else. Yeah. Whereas the Predators had no answer for Ben, Sagan, and Radulov. Yeah. No answers. I mean, they called them on their weakness, and they found a way, to, yeah. opportunity to, you know, to advance on that. But it's just, yeah, you don't want to make it sound like the Dallas Stars didn't do anything and the Preds just didn't show up. I right. mean, they played a fantastic series, but it's just the Predators did make it a little bit easier for them. Yeah, and so now looking at this, too, of who stepped up and who didn't, well, one, Rocco Grimaldi obviously stepped up. Yes. He, he was even injured, too. He said today, what the only injury report they really got, at the, near the end of the season, remember when he was scratched or had was dealing with injury, we just weren't sure what it was, he strained his oblique and had a broken rib. Which, oh my gosh. I mean, he came in <laughs> and he scored three goals in the playoffs after being a healthy scratch. Yeah. For the first one, too. So he stepped up. Players that didn't. For me, I'm going to run through this quickly because I know we have to get to break. We have so much to, to cover. Philip Forsberg is a very frustrating player in this series because, you know, at times, like Craig Smith said, they all want to be the hero. Forsberg's uh, multiple times turned the puck over. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's trying to force the puck, force the issue to force passes. There are multiple times when Philip Forsberg made passes that went directly to a Dallas Stars player. He had at least three in the last, what, two games? You know, in the last, in the games four and five, where. <laughs> he had three turnovers right to it that led directly to a Dallas Stars goal. It wasn't one of those things where he turned it over and then play resume for 20 yeah, seconds after that and pass, 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 yeah. pass, pass. No. Turnover, goal. That's not good from one of your, from one of your star forwards like that. And, and I say that about him because there are so many other players that take heat in this, like Subban and Turris, and we'll get to them and everything too. But the players that you expect to score and step up and usually are making good decisions out there in terms of possessing the puck, like Forsberg, 
was was an underperformer big time uh, in this series. Glenn, before we go to break, did you have someone that, that underperformed for you? Yeah, I mean, it was basically just that top line. And when I think about that, I think about it comparing it to last year's playoff run in 13 games. Arby had five goals, four assists. This time he had zero points. Johansson had five goals, nine assists. This time he had two points, one goal and assist. Forsberg, seven goals, nine assists, and he got two points out of this in six games. So I just feel like when the top line wasn't turning, you can't not have your top line on all cylinders during a playoff series. You can't do that. No, you're absolutely right. Okay, up next we're going to talk about should there be coaching changes? Do you think there will be? Special teams, not so special of an exit there too, as well as team leadership and potentially P.K. Subban. What happens there? That's all up next on Penalty Box. You're listening to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Well, the final episode. Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Come to the end of the road. Smooth jams. Justin Bradford, Lynn Blackwell. we got intern Danielle in here doing some me- mega research mega research right now for us later in the show max hers behind the glass and those tunes and it's the end of the road so we did have this come in on twitter you know that's Derek kimbrough said it's it's easy to talk about underperformers who performed to expectations big one here is pecorine yep a hundred percent he showed I mean, up i will not i will not hear it if somebody tells me that because a puck crosses the goal line it's pecorine's fault Okay. I won't hear it. Oh, hell no. I won't hear it. That's Glenn. Hell he, no. <laughs> he did, I believe, and granted, yes, he is human being. There's going to be games. There's going to be moments where you're like, oh, probably could have probably could have saved that one. But overall, Pecorine throughout this season has given this team a chance. He did that in this this series, and they did not show up for him. Mm-hmm. And that is where a lot of my frustration comes mm-hmm. from because he deserved more than his team gave him. He gives them so much night after night, and that's what they gave him, and it didn't get him very far. Game and six, so he especially. Exactly. So he 100% for me performed to expectation. And then Rocco Grimaldi, I mm-hmm. mean, this kid – He's just got a zest about him, and he, I mean, definitely for sure, expectation, wasn't quite sure if he's going to go break out and be the big, you know, the leading goal scorer of the series, but (laughs) here we are. So, he did absolutely fantastic. I was very, very, very pleased with his effort and Pecorine. Absolutely. Pecorine, it's it's one of those things, we'll have more video up on PenaltyBoxRadio.com, just in his exit interview, uh, Joe Dubin, Channel 4, asked about the shelf life of Pecorini because he signed a two-year deal on his birthday again. Mm-hmm. So he's still going to be in, in Nashville for a while. And you you, you ever get, get too old to play hockey? <laughs> he started laughing. It just doesn't – Pecorini seems ageless. Yeah. And people keep wanting to talk – I don't know, last year we've even talked about it, about, okay, well, he's getting older, he's getting older, he's getting older. And then he goes and he wins a Vezina <laughs> last yeah. season. And this year, obviously not a Vezina finalist, but still in a strong enough year – to keep the Predators competitive, even mm-hmm. when the offense wasn't performing up to par. Yeah. Uh, so Pecorine obviously did what the what he needed to do. And then, well, what about the five goals? Did you see the team in front of him? Yeah. That's why I say I won't <laughs> hear it so. if you say just because they scored on him. I mean, like I said before, and I'll say it time and time again, he's supposed to be the last line of defense. They're supposed to break up those plays before it even gets to that. Mm-hmm. And when you've got 
mm-hmm. defensive team in front of you that's not doing that, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, woo. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. So, <laughs> so next is what is what is next? What is next? Coaching changes. Do we mm. think? Do we think that anything will happen in terms of coaching changes? And the reason why power play. Kevin McCarthy, Dan Muse took it over in March, and Laviolette, Robbie Stanley of NHL.com asked, and <laughs> after the press conferences, Adam Vingan was asking, okay, let's let's get your numbers. How long do you think the answer was? This is like the longest answer that Peter mm-hmm. Laviolette gave all season to anything. Yep. And Robbie Stanley asked this question. Adam Vingan was saying, okay, who? what are your, what are your guesses? One was like three-something, one was four-something, one was this. I said, five minutes, ten seconds is what I threw out. He's like, mm-hmm. one of you is right on the button. <laughs> Justin. It was a five-minute answer from Peter Laviolette on the power play. And Robbie tweeted out the full response, and it will be in the video and everything, too. Mm-hmm. And he took full blame. He, he took full blame for it because he's, ultimately it comes down to the head coach, and it does. Mm-hmm. And they met and met and met, and you know, people say, well, they're not working on it. Well, they were. It just wasn't happening. Yeah. They, they brought outside consultants in. They tried to emulate what top power play units were doing. It was a frustration to the coaches. That's why they made the change, which is hard to do. Frustrating yeah. for the players. It was frustrating for everyone to have that dismal of a power play. So that leads to the question of, will coaching changes be made? The the way I see it with, with how David Poyle has run things before and and things – I don't think it's going to happen, even though it would make total sense and okay for Kevin McCarthy to to be gone, but he's not going. Mm -hmm. However much you want it as fans, I don't think it's going to happen. And however much people might call for a change in the assistant coaching staff because the power play was so abysmal this year, I don't think it's going to happen. Just the way that that we've seen how it operates. Yeah. So I don't don't like it. I I would think a change – if you're going to be that bad in the power play, usually someone has to take the blame, I say in air quotes, and has to take the fall for it. Mm-hmm. When take the fall usually means your job. Yeah. And if changes aren't made like that, I'm curious to see what's going to happen in the next season. They There's some teams that run with three assistant coaches or one associate and two assistants. Mm-hmm. Maybe they bring in somebody to do that. I'm not sure. While it would make total sense to have a coaching change in terms of assistant coaches, I do not think Peter Laviolette should be gone. I do not no, think he will either. be gone. Is next year, is he on the hot seat? I think he is. Mm-hmm. There's a hot seat to perform to at least, again, repeat what you're doing to get to, to Central Division Championship or get to the playoffs, make it to the second round. As long as he continues to get this team into second or third round appearances like that, I think you're okay this, to show that this was a fluke season. And it's been a weird playoffs anyways. Yeah. Three of the four division winners are gone, and that's not to put an excuse for the Predators. But it's been a weird playoffs anyways, and who knows what's going to happen with Washington here. They have the lead as right now, but mm-hmm. if they're gone, then they're gone. So, Glenn, just your opinion. I've been talking a lot on, on coaching. Well, yeah. I mean, listening to Peter Laviolette, I listened to that today at the press conference, and I appreciated how he broke down everything that they tried to do to make this power play work. I appreciate the fact that he was very open about – how you could he even said like you can you could sense it you could feel it in the room the frustration and I think that a lot of us myself included have just been talking a lot about how there felt like there was a disconnect with this team not just you know the results that we were seeing from the games but something just didn't feel right and it's almost as though what he was talking about those frustrations that everybody the team the coaches were feeling was really 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 in their way. And I think that 
we often talk about how the mental game is just as important as the physical. Peter Laviolette gave the great example of that. They tried so many things. They exhausted all resources, everything, everything, even from getting, you know, outside consulting in whatever form that is to try to fix this. And it didn't work. So if it's not right up in their minds as a team, then it's not going to be right on the ice. And so that's all I can really take from that is that maybe that mental struggle was that much of a hurdle but it's crazy to think that an entire team could be affected by that mentally, but they could have been. Be so that bad. I know. That but then bad. it's also you have to question, like, how bad is it when none of those options worked? So it's just – but then again, I agree with you. Um, I think that when something – when you exhaust all your resources and nothing changes, something needs to change. Mm-hmm. But I also do not think that that's going to come right now with these coaches. Right. And, and that's what we're getting at, folks that, that are listening – is what our thoughts are versus what we think they'll do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of what we think they'll do, there's not going to be a change. What we'd like to see would be a change of some sort, just because you have to move on sometimes when from that. Doesn't when something doesn't work. Not, it's yeah. not working. So yeah. also, P.K. Subban, the, who has been the target already of potential trade talk. I know that it was talked about by Matt Larkin on the Hockey News that it makes sense in terms of the salary and everything. P.K. Subban addressed this today. Like a pro, a true pro, addressing it that he, you know, lucky to be traded just because he knows that the team wants him. It's part of the business and everything too. That he loves it here in Nashville. He wants to be part of the solution, but he understands that he is the highest paid player on the team. Performance has to be there. He he takes responsibility. He understands that things can happen if it's to make the team better. Then he understands that trades can happen and that you know he'll accept whatever happens as well. I mean. Go and watch this. It was a long answer. That's why we're not going to air it. And it's on Pelican Box Radio. But yeah. so mature of a response, too. It was a very, very good quote that he had that you just touched on. Um, he specifically said, I want to be part of the solution, but I'm prepared to understand that this organization deserves and demands the best, and they and the fans deserve to have the best. So yeah. he's saying, you know what? If that's if that's on the highest paid player that's not making this happen and mm-hmm. some other piece is going to come in if I leave and make it right, then he understands that. Yeah, let's go ahead. So. Max actually has it queued up. Let's before we get to break, let's go ahead and play that clip. Well, you know, I've I've been lucky enough. I say lucky because not everybody is able to get that experience, but I'm lucky enough to have been traded in my career and understand the business side of it. But that doesn't change the emotional part. And you know, playing in Nashville, I mean, this is a place that you know I've talked about with teammates and friends about a place that I would love to continue my career, and, and who knows, you know, I mean, your career is long, but, I mean, Nashville's a very hard place to not imagine yourself playing, you know, it's 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 a great city, and the way that uh, Barb and Herb Fritch and the rest of the organization and Sean Henry and the front office, everybody in the front office, and in terms of what they do every day to make this a fun place and a great place to play, they've done an amazing job, and I can't think of anything you know, that in a negative way about this organization or city or my transition here that would want me to play anywhere else, you know. and But at the same token, I mean, if I'm talking facts, I'm the highest paid player on this team, and with that comes a responsibility. And just like everybody else, the responsibility is on me to take the fact that we didn't win the first round, we didn't get out of the first round, and we didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. And, you know, I hope I'm a part of the solution. I hope that... Uh, you know, I can be here and be a part of that, but 
at the same token, um, you know, I, I'm prepared to understand that, you know, this organization deserves and demands the best, and they should, and the city and the fans deserve to have the best team on the ice come September. And, you know, all I can do is prepare to get myself prepared the best I can to win a Stanley Cup and to do my job. And, you know, I feel very confident about um, the years that I've had here and, and with the play and of our team. And that's the most important thing. And my job was just to come in and try to fit in and around the great core group of players that they've had here and they've tried to build a championship team around and, and do my job. And, uh, you know, I love the core group. I love the guys here. Uh, all, all I can hope is is to continue to try to help this team win a championship. That's it. All right, up next, we're going to talk more about what could happen with the top 4D, especially with Dante Fabro having a pretty decent showing in his NHL debut. The cup window, is it still open for the Nashville Predators? That's up next on Penalty Box Radio, Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is mad at black, got the boosters black to match, riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your horse, I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, intern Danielle. Producer Max Hurst behind the glass. Is that a country song or not, Glenn? <laughs> what? what? Can't nobody tell. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Is that a country song or not, Glenn? Oh, that is about as country as it gets. <laughs> well, it's got Billy Ray Cyrus in it. Woo! Yeah, Yeehaw. ride that horse. Okay. It's got, it's got Hannah's dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's let's keep this going here. Some great research done by intern Danielle over there too. Going back to the power play, and yeah, we're going to keep harping on it because that was a huge reason. To just think, the Predators were what zero for fifteen on the power play in, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. With how close a couple of those games were, one goal games, right? Yeah, three of them were one goal games. Imagine how just converting three three of fifteen would have <laughs> done fifteen. What they could have done for the Predators in the series. Now, granted. You know, there's all these what ifs when I look at, but I wanted to, to see here the the stats and how they were showing for teams that had the worst power play in the league, which the Predators did, and their playoff success when they made the playoffs. Looking at the stats here in the past decade, so 2009 to 2018, aside from the Predators, the only team to make the playoffs while having the worst power play in the league were the 2011-12 Phoenix Coyotes who went to the Western Conference Final and lost to the LA Kings. Other than that, no other team made the playoffs. No playoffs. So Toronto, Florida, Winnipeg, Buffalo, Buffalo, <laughs> Winnipeg, Vancouver, Edmonton, Nashville in the past decade. Those are the teams with the worst power play conversion percentages. Now, here's the thing, too, that it wasn't just a this-year problem with the Nashville power play. Looking back in the past decade for the Nashville Predators as well, and obviously there's been coaching changes, personnel changes, things like that. There have only been two times in the past decade that the Nashville power play has converted above 20%. That was in 2011-12 at 21.6%, and they lost in the semifinals again. Uh, they lost in the semifinals to Arizona. And then that was the 17-18 season where they lost in the second round where they converted 21.2%. Other than that, they haven't been at 20%. Wow. It's just some interesting stats, so thank you, Danielle. Really, really appreciate that. That's just something to look at. Yeah, that's very interesting when you look at the history on it. But So basically you're saying even coaching changes don't change the fact that sometimes your power plays. Just, just historical things. It's just not going to work. But it shows, too, that with this team, 
and how important of a role special teams can play in the playoffs. And every every team, every season, every you know combination of a team in each season has their own issues. And Peter Lavalette even said that today too. But you figure out special teams problems. The power, the penalty kill doesn't seem like it's been an issue in the history. Now it was it became an issue in a couple games, but not overall an yeah. issue. That yeah. Predators just historically have had a decent penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Decent. It doesn't have to be the best. It's really but at good. Least it's, it's working, great. but it's to working. Some degree. But if you get the power play going and contributing timely goals, I mean, it was a power play with a minute fifty three left in regulation. You have a power play. It's a tie game. If ever there were a story to write itself, it would have been a power play goal to win and send it to game seven. Yep. But it didn't happen. Coming from a team that can't <laughs> that score a power play goal. Right. So. Let's go back to the conversation that ended the last segment in terms of top four defense. The way that David Poyle even spoke, the way that other players spoke, they understand that some changes are probably going to happen because the players did go. The leadership group went to David Poyle and said, we want to keep the team together. We, we feel like, you know, we went to the Stanley Cup final and we could have done so much more. We lost in the second round you know, to the team with the second most points in the league. Sure. We want to keep it together. David Poyle even said today, well, that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Some changes are going to happen. Could there be major changes? I don't think major changes just because of the way the contracts are for the Predators. One thing, though, is with the emergence of Dante Fabro, not saying that he's the answer right now, but he showed that potential, the hockey IQs there, the ability to make good decisions, the skating, everything, that he is a future piece of a top, of a top four defense. Mm-hmm. Meaning there could be room to move one of the top four D because it's showing that that's not working. Yep. Having a top four, two strong pairs of defensemen. And you look back... You don't have to have four elite defensemen to win a Stanley Cup. No, no. But it also, it's very, very difficult when you go to David Poyle and you say, hey, look, this is the core. This is who we know can go to the Stanley Cup final, and then you can't get past the first round. It's like we talked about in the last segment. Mm -hmm. When something isn't working, especially (laughs) after you go up to your boss and say, we're going to do this, and you don't, something's got to change. Now, is that going to happen tomorrow? You know, not uh, say tomorrow right, figuratively, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> it's David Poyle today. I can't remember his exact quote, but with him talking about Fabro made me think that in their minds, that is a person mm-hmm. who is going to be able to successfully fill that role. Yes, and so, so and I don't know what that looks like. No, and it's a hard decision because you think, well, which which one of the top four is expendable? And other people are going to reply, well, it's easy. This is what I think. Okay, that's true. That's what you think. But then yeah. I have an argument for this other player. Mm-hmm. Subban mo- makes the most money in the team, $9 million. That's a lot to play with. And you could trade him in terms of tradable assets and get a score. Yep. You could totally get a score for him. But he's an elite defenseman. And people that call him lazy or doesn't produce or anything like that, shut up. They didn't watch the game. P.K. Subban <laughs> is elite defenseman. His numbers prove it. The way he is able to defend in the defensive zone, the way he's able to exit the zone, the way he's able to generate offense, the way he's able to stop top talent for other teams. If you want to call him a lazy defenseman, then you need to check your eyes, check your brain, and sit down. Okay? Wow. Well, I'm getting tired of I it, know. saying that he's expendable because he's lazy. No, he's not. He's an elite defenseman for a reason. He was nominated for the Norris Trophy last season. Yeah. Okay? He was a finalist for it. He dealt with injuries this year. Okay, you saw playoff P.K. Subban getting ready to ramp up and even heard the disappointment because he knows he's a playoff player. On the other side, you have Roman Yossi, who's going to be up for an extension starting July 1st. He's Roman Yossi. He's, he's the captain. Not saying they can't trade a captain. 
But he's also an elite defenseman who has had multiple years of Norris Trophy talk for him, too, with how he performs. He had a rough year and a rough playoffs. And you have Ryan Ellis, who his extension is just kicking in next season, who yep. signed a team-friendly deal and did not have any movement clauses in it. So you trade a player like that, what, then it's going to make it even more difficult for David Poyle or the next general manager for the club to come in and sign a team-friendly deal and not have any clauses in it for movement. Mm-hmm. Then Matthias Ekholm, who we still say is a little underrated, had a terrible playoffs in terms of keeping under control, things like that. And Overall, he's a good defenseman. He's a solid defenseman, and at times he was the best defenseman for the National Predators. Yep. But is he going to have the same value on the open market in terms of trade? Is he going to have the same trade value? Are, are, does the rest of the league see that value in Matthias Ekholm? All four <laughs> could make sense in some way or another. Yep. And that is a, that is a very hard decision if you're going to make changes. It is very hard decision there because I think my points right there just showed why there's questions for each one of what you could lose or gain. Yeah, which is why this has been such a solid <laughs> core defenseman. Yeah, I mean, that's what that. makes yeah. it that's what makes it so tricky. It's 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 really rough to say, and I I get it. It's a tough decision too, but some, something's got to be done because it's not working. Mm-hmm. It's not working, and when you're this close, because now this leads into the next thing of the cup window. Is the cup window closed? No. Yeah. Is it getting a little tougher? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. getting tougher because you have other teams out there that are getting better. We all thought St. Louis, look at them, and then they put it together. Does it mean they're going to be the same next year? No, you never know year to year how a team's going to perform. But you know that Chicago, they weren't that far out from missing the playoffs. They're retooling a little. They're kind of rebuilt on the fly. Mm-hmm. And they, they were in the, the bunker for a while. But they kind of emerged so they could still be dangerous. Minnesota, no, whatever. <laughs> Dallas is showing decent strides. Mm-hmm. Colorado, their top line, watch out. Winnipeg, there may be changes there, but they're still going to be Winnipeg. And the Central Division's tough already, and the Predators were not good against Central Division no. this year. And like I said, if you're if you're claiming that this is the team that's going to take you all the way – and then you can't get past the first round with that team. You got to make changes. You have to. There's no other option because what are you going to do? Just rinse and repeat? No, you can't. So you got to make changes. You have some changes. You don't have to make drastic changes. You don't have to blow it all up. Yeah. One, you can't with the because, contracts you have yeah. and everything. But something something has yeah. to move because otherwise we're going to have a repeat season. Yeah. And now, this as well, the cup window. Yusuf Saros is a capable goaltender. We all know that. He's been a great backup and he deserves more starts in order to rest Pecorine. The cup window. I think, though, it goes with how you're adapting to it and evolving with the rest of the league and the rest of your division as well. The talent is obviously still there. The core talent is signing a contract for this team to win a cup because there are teams that are less talented in terms of through their entire roster, skill-wise. You don't have to be the best, but skill-wise, less talented that are deeper in the playoffs because they put it together at the right time. Yeah. I mean, look at the talent this year compared to the cup, year, the cup final year. There was more talent on this roster right now than there was in the cup year, but they played as a cohesive unit and they found mm-hmm. they clicked at the right time. Understandable. But for the love of everything goalie in Finland, get Pecorine his cup. <laughs> I know. You've got to do what it takes to get Pecorine his damn cup. Because okay? you are robbing him of every year of talent he's given this team when you don't. Get him his cup. Yep. Get him his cup. He has done everything for this team. He has sacrificed so much. He's gone through different injuries. He's gone through everything. He's done so much for this community. Get Pecorine his cup. Yep. If there's anything that's a goal on your list as a player for the National Predators next season, it's we have to do whatever it takes to get Pecorine his Stanley Cup. Yeah. He's not going to the Hall of Fame without a Stanley Cup. No. This is not going to happen. 
There's two, so many other goaltenders out there that could be worthy. Get him his cup. Preach that. Because when I, and I said this on Twitter the next day, I waited a little bit to talk about it, like I said, but I remember when game six of 2017, when the Predators lost and they were that close to the Stanley Cup, I wanted that Stanley Cup for that entire team. That's what I wanted. I wanted it for everybody on that team. But this year, I really and truly wanted that for Pecorino because he earned it and he deserves that. So... If nothing else, get it for your goaltender. Please. All right. Up next, we're going to wrap it up with (laughs) dumb things on Pred's Facebook. Who we would like to see the Win Cup now that it's going and some special sign-offs because it's the end of the season for Penalty Box Radio. You're listening to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, intern Danielle, producer Max Hers. This is Wake Me Up for October. Wake Me Up before <laughs> October. <laughs> okay. So, before we really get into it, real quick here, somebody asked about Brian Boyle. There, there's not much in terms of contract situation for the Predators. You have Rocco Grimaldi, Colton Sissons, in terms of the RFAs. Well, I, both of them. Colton Sissons deserves a raise. Rocco Grimaldi serves one heck of a raise. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Brian Boyle, if there's a free agent out there that inter- between him and Simmons, because I don't think Simmons is coming back. I don't yeah. think anybody believes uh, that. Yeah. Brian Boyle would be, still be a good fit, I think, here in Nashville, just the leadership that he offers. Uh, he seems to really enjoy it here. He does a family connection because his sister is here as a recording artist. So Brian Boyle, I would like to see him back here um, healthy as well. And we'll go from there. Because remember, Mikhail Glenland is has one more year on his contract yes. as well. So he's here already, and we'll see if having a training camp in the season, get him going. Because I did like what I saw out of him, just the finish. Well, he is finished. The finish on goals and stuff wasn't necessarily there. But yeah. I, I did overall like what I saw from him for the future and potential that he has with this club. Yeah, and I did too. And I saw a lot of I saw people giving him a lot of flack just saying that, oh, he didn't, he didn't do this, that, and the other. And I'm like, well, he did score the same amount of points as your – Top line center yeah. in the playoffs. And so. the team didn't necessarily do much. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, what can you what can you do in that? But for the future, I like what I see so far. Yeah. So Glenn, who now would you like to go on and see the win the Stanley Cup for who's left? I jumped on the Lumbus train. I'm going with the Blue Jackets. I mean, they mm-hmm. knocked out they knocked out Tampa Bay, swept them, um, and they were. I mean, they have like the best penalty kill, power plays. They've got. Top forty goal scorers. They went I mean, all it's in. crazy. They went all in. Went yeah, and then and then they beat them. They swept them. I mean, so I think for me, it's somewhere out of the East. It'll be Columbus, Carolina if they get it done against Washington or the Islanders. Barry Trotz just as a. <laughs> well, that too. So you're picking three. Well, any one of those. I had to jump on I'd one love train. To, I'd love to see any of those three, just okay. because okay. because the storylines. Yeah. With all three of them would be fantastic storylines. Yeah. So intern Danielle, you did fantastic. Reacher wanted to give you an opportunity. Who would you like to see? You know, I'd have to agree that all of the wild card teams this year yeah. are unbelievable. This entire playoff, I mean, all of the playoff series are crazy, and I'm going for, honestly, any of the wild card teams. I'm pulling for Columbus, Colorado. They all deserve it. I mean, they all have those fairy tale stories this year. Yeah, so there we go. Okay, before <laughs> before we sign off on a few things here, 
dumb things on Pred's Facebook. Yes. <clears throat> so there are certain things when they're said, you're like, oh, okay, well, I can see where, where they're coming from. That. And then they follow it up with something that's dumb. Mm. First thing, Lavi needs to go as well. He's not an NHL coach. <laughs> He's not an NHL coach, huh? Okay. <laughs> Where is my SpongeBob meme when I need it? <laughs> Lavi's not an NHL coach. <laughs> he is, and if he were fired, another team I'm, would scoop him up. I'm fairly uh, certain that he is an NHL coach that is. because that is his current job. Okay. So. How, how how about this for bad trade propositions? Mm. Okay. It's off-season. PK, Turris, and Yossi need to go. At this point, I'd take a Zamboni for PK in a trade. If you're All- taking <laughs> just a Zamboni for PK Subin in a trade, oh, God. <laughs> is that what you're and proposing so to NHL gonna, 19 yeah. as well? And they're laughing at you. The computer is laughing at you. And then it shuts down the game. And then it kicks you off. And it reports your account <laughs> for misuse. <laughs> So take them all three and get a Zamboni for... Oh, okay. It, I mean, I can kind of see where... No, as a joke. Subban, <laughs> and and Yossi. Wow. These are these are, these yeah. are nice and dumb. <laughs> and here we go, well last done, one. Facebook. This one kind of goes into what I was talking about in the previous segment when I got a little bit heated. That never happens in the show, mm-hmm. ever. Never. <clears throat> about P.K. Subban. He is lazy, poor defender who always seems to make half mm, passes in the defensive zone. My head's spinning. Uh, yeah. Okay. 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 I mean, sometimes I could, that's the best response to that kind of stuff. Okay. okay. Sure. We could always, sure, Jan. <laughs> we could always fire back. <laughs> we could always fire back with stats. Yeah. I mean, that would be that'd be one thing to do is to fire back with stats because. Throw some numbers out there since they they don't lie. They kind of tell the story. And speaking of that, there's been talk about this isn't about analytics or anything like that. It's about heart and and, and emotion and who has the the right amount of play out there. Stats aren't telling you what's going on right now necessarily. They're telling you the story of the game so you can analyze it and make adjustments. I don't understand how people don't get that when you're looking at analytics. Because it's a live thing, but it's not saying that, this is the game. It's so you can analyze the game and look at it and then make adjustments and changes. That's yeah. really what it's about. So you can see, oh, wow, we are allowing way too many high danger chances right there in the home area. We need to you know, work on that and make some adjustments. That's all it's saying is telling the story. They're not one and the same. Well, yeah, but I think, yeah, I think, but I think that people see it as a one or the other. Like it's either and it can't, it's a heart not. and soul type of game. No, you still yeah. have that. Yeah. But while they're playing, numbers exist. So you can yeah. still have the heart of a team. I just don't get that. And that can push a team. That can push a team, but that's not going to change the fact that the numbers exist. Right. Oh, I just I hate I hate advanced analytics. Okay. That's cool. Don't read them. You don't have to you don't have <laughs> to read them. The it's just trying to help give you a better idea of the game. That's really yeah. what it's doing. And then for coaches and everything like that or for agents, yeah, they'll want to get a better contract for their client. It's telling the story of the player and the game. That's really what it is to make adjustments. Yeah. And it's there for, you know, us as viewers to dig deeper if, if you want, want but if you don't want to you don't have to you can yeah. watch the game play out yeah. and that be it it's yeah. fun it's you don't fun. have to you don't have to you don't have to hate on it either jeez sheesh my word i'm exhausted <laughs> wake me up <laughs> before <laughs> october <laughs> we have to end with a little bit of laughs i know folks it's been a fantastic fun season for us i know it didn't end the way that you all wanted it to 
or, or maybe, hey, if you're a Stars fan, and maybe you did and you're listening just because you're going, uh, <laughs> but we have so many fun things planned. We are going to be at the draft. I plan on being at the draft in Vancouver where some things may go down for the Natural Predators, and they have their first-round pick this year, so that is also great that they have their first-round pick. Training camp in September – the rookie tournament will be here in Nashville, which will be a fun, fun way to see all these up-and-coming stars from multiple teams that are going to be coming. So it'll be at the Fordyce Center-Bellevue, not Fordyce Center-Antioch. So it'll be there as well. And lots more stuff to come because it's been fantastic here for all of our interns. I mean, Spider Jack couldn't make it tonight. Intern Allie, we have intern Danielle in here. Thank you so much for your work. And for all the folks at Penalty Box Radio, I really appreciate the work they put in to this season and it's not just the predators folks remember we we cover college hockey high school hockey the milwaukee admirals i mean john jensen we had him on covering the minor league team in 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 milwaukee it's a fantastic crew that we have here at penalty box radio that cares so much about hockey and bringing you what we hope is the best hockey coverage that you can get in in the middle tennessee area and not just about the national predators but about the sport of hockey that we love and we care about it and we want to make sure we convey that to you that that we want to grow the game as best as we can by giving you as much coverage that we can on this game and so i truly appreciate you all for tuning in and for hanging with us and for being with us and for interacting with us on twitter and for asking us questions and for enjoying our different segments on here because that's what keeps us going to grow this game is, is to have fun with, with the game of hockey and not to be overly analytical on, on our show, but when we have great people that do that as well uh, on Penalty Box Radio. Glenn, before I sign off, any last words? Yeah, just a huge thank you to everybody that tunes in and interacts. I mean, I just I just got a tweet that made me laugh out loud from Douglas Warren, who was like, the sure Jan gift because you <laughs> didn't appear to catch it on air, and he was making sure that I, he, oh, you know, I, I knew. It. He caught it. So I just love, I love the interaction. I love the support that you guys give. And I'm just very appreciative to be a part of this again, year after year. It's been such a gift in my life and I enjoy it. And I get really, really sad on the last episode before (laughs) the next season starts. So before I get sappy or anything, I love coming here every Wednesday night. And thank you guys for tuning in. Yes. Thank you everyone so much. Everything more on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. For producer Max Hers behind the glass, intern Danielle in studio with us doing great research, and my fabulous co-host Glenn Blackwell. This is Justin Bradford signing off for the season of Penalty Box Radio. Thanks for listening on Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game.